Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. Kyle, finally. Yes. It's, we've been talking on through through friends and intermediaries and, and the evil Facebook Messenger app. <laughs> been trying to get together for a couple of years, and here we are yeah. in Las Vegas where I guess we can't talk about everything we've done here, but we're at Freedom Fest. Yeah. So that's cool. What happens in Vegas, we're Christians, so we say, what happens in Vegas, the Lord knows. Yeah. Still knows. You know, that's, that was our motto coming in here, but... Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to finally finally meet you in person, and uh, it's been such a crazy time. See, I'm just such a every time I go to a, a libertarian conference, it's so interesting to me that there's people from all walks of life that you wouldn't expect. There was a talk one day that was "Is Atheism Dead?" by mm-hmm. Eric Metaxas. The next day, there was like the rise of atheism. Why you need atheism for liberty? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which just cracked me up a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great to meet you, and it's great to, to be here with all these liberty-minded folks. You know, I just uh, I just got back from another libertarian gathering that's very different called Porkfest. That one is a little different. Uh, I've never been. I've been to Liberty Forum, and they keep trying me to go. I, I, I don't know if I've done enough drugs in my in my life to go to Porkfest, but is that well, is that necessary? It's, or? it's not required, okay. and, and that's sort of the, the fascinating thing is because you, you literally had church groups. Yeah. Um, in one section of the camp, and then you had like uh, the Naked Olympics in the other <laughs> corner, and obviously half the camp was very family friendly, and maybe less so over there where they were doing all the drugs. and And I, I think in in a lot of ways that's kind of a metaphor for what we believe in. Like we don't we don't actually have to agree with each other to to just live and get along. and And that's what I like about Freedom Fest is like there's a lot of different types of people here. And as far as I know, nobody got killed or otherwise injured debating Christianity so far, versus atheism. So far, yeah. Yeah, it struck me first at Liberty Forum because, uh, you know, the same guys who do Porkfest because it was, we were out in New Hampshire and, you know, you think of, you think of libertarians and you maybe you have some stereotypes in your head and it is more the naked Olympic stereotype. Yeah. Um, but they had, you know, they had kids running around and it wasn't what you think, you know, just single guys in fedoras that don't know how to talk to a woman. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was, it was families. And now, people, now, now. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting, it, it's it, getting personal now. <laughs> you know, guys with weird curly mustaches yeah, and crazy uh and you know drinking beer all the time those, those kind of guys are the guys you think about but no it was it was it was interesting to see that you had people on both sides that were just like we can come together and try to just be left alone you yeah know? <laughs> which was an interesting thing yeah it was it almost felt like utah because they are literally repopulating <laughs> the state of new hampshire yeah 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 utah and elon musk are single-handedly repopulating the globe so yeah that's that's uh, a good thing I think. yeah well um, but in the case of New Hampshire, they, they appear to be married to the people that they're sure, sure. populating with. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word or not. But, uh, and you're a beer guy. That's important. Yeah, that is an important thing. And I, you've, have, you, have you checked out any breweries here in Nevada? I haven't yet. I was hoping that you would be uh, the guy to show me around. So, you know. There is, um, I was told, because I, I, I used to do all these videos called Beer is Freedom. And beer was, to me, was a metaphor for various economic principles. And it's it's kind of a bait and switch where I'm like, I'm making a video about beer. And, and people are like, oh, I love beer, so I'm going to watch that video. And suddenly I'm talking about Austrian economics. So it's a little bit unfair. <laughs> well, we, you know, we live in California, and obviously, which is anti-freedom from the top down. But 
it's interesting when you talk to people on the local level, they don't actually believe that. You yeah. know, <laughs> the yeah. people that run their businesses and people who run breweries out there, there's a great microbrewery scene in San Diego and LA and all over the all over the state. Um, and those people are just inherently pro-freedom and pro-liberty. Yeah. They might be registered Democrats and they might vote for Governor Newsom for some reason, but you know, they're voting against their own interests and they kind of know that on some level because you talk to them and you know, they'll you sit down at a brewery and they grumble about regulations and they grumble about this and that and uh which california has surprisingly pro pro microbrewery laws which is which is weird for california i'm sure they'll crack down on that soon <laughs> they'll, they'll eventually destroy it like they'll everything figure else it out. they'll yeah. figure out a way <laughs> what something's thriving yeah we, we must tax it and regulate it but that that disconnect is quite typical and um and that's why that's the real reason i started doing videos about beer because um the industry the micro breweries, the nano breweries, these are all just radically entrepreneurial people. Um, but they probably think they're socialists too. And that, <laughs> that disconnect is fascinating to me because they're, they're artists, they're creating something beautiful. They're, they're businessmen because they're grinding it out and trying to make razor thin margins. And then they deal with all these these regulatory and tax barriers where where the, uh, the distributor industrial complex is totally screwing these guys. And it's like, Guys, this is a this is a life lesson in why you don't give governments power. But. Yeah, yeah, and you see that. I mean, and the pandemic especially brought that out because we saw people that run businesses in our hometown. You know, we're in the middle of no, we're in a kind of a rural area in Southern California, and you saw a lot of people that that uh, run businesses that are like, you know, yeah, I'm voting for you know these pro big government candidates, and you're like, why? Like you you complain to me all the time about. <laughs> about the, the the health regulators coming in to help them. You, yeah. you know why that is, right? <laughs> you know, and so uh, or people that don't like our local sheriff because he's a guy who's a very pro freedom local sheriff. You know, and you, it's strange to see that disconnect. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people in their hearts are pro liberty and they just don't realize it yet. Yeah, and they're they're worried about normal things that normal people care about, um, like beer and family and and you know maybe football, whatever their passion is. And they, they just sort of check out of that. And um, it, it can lead to very bad things when they, they sort of let politics do what it does, which is accumulate power and, and go after people. But it's, I get the instinct, absolutely. I, I would be a much more sane person if I didn't pay attention to this stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, my favorite book is Lord of the Rings. And that's one of the main messages in the Lord of the Rings is that you have these hobbits whose the, their joy and their value is found in just tending their own garden and not getting involved in the politics of the outside world. Yeah. And yet at some, at some point they realize if we just do that, the world is going to fall to ruin and we won't have our garden anymore. Yeah. So by necessity, they're dragged into this outer battle. But as soon as it's done, they're, I'm back to my garden. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and that's the big victory at the end of the battle to Sam getting to go back and tend to his garden. Yeah. When, when you think orc... Which senator comes to mind? <laughs> Can I name a hundred of them, or do yeah. I have to just yeah, pick? It, they actually travel in a pack, just and they one, just sort yeah. of destroy everything <laughs> that they. I touch. can pick one or two that aren't orcs. Yeah, maybe. And maybe they're here at yeah, maybe Fest. maybe one or two of them's here yeah. at Freedom Fest. <laughs> yeah, Mike Lee and Rand Paul are here. Yeah, <laughs> and and I always brag that I can count the people that I I respect and I'm and, and will actually allow into my home on I think it's on one hand now because. <laughs> If you let a vampire into the house, yeah, you, you you're never the same. So right. you don't want to do that. But but like n normal things, and this is 
this is why um, uh, pivoting to comedy, I think one of the reasons why you guys really get under the skin of, of the, the radical progressive left is that comedy is a bridge. Comedy is what normal people like as opposed to partisan BS that, that goes through. And, and I, have, I have this theory. I'm going to run it past you. You've never heard it. I run it past every comedian I know. Um, I have this theory kind of going back to, not exactly, but I'm thinking of Lenny Bruce and, and, and the ethos of just breaking rules and talking about forbidden things as, as a way that civil society um, breaks down barriers and prejudices and, and things that scare you. Um, if you can tell a joke that's really uncomfortable and people aren't sure if they're supposed to laugh, in some ways it, it, it takes the temperature down a little bit so that people, when they, when they go to a town hall meeting or they go to church or wherever they're going and meeting their neighbors and their neighbors are a little bit more different than they are, or maybe there's a, they're a lot different, um, it, it diffuses the, the time bomb and gets rid of some of that, that tribalism where you, you, you hate something and somebody that you've never met and have never conversed with. Well, think about, I mean, think about the, the 24-7 news cycle. It's designed to make you not only hate the people on the other side of the political aisle, but it's designed to make you stress and worry and fear everything. You know, every single, every 24 hours, there's a new threat to democracy or a threat to your life. You know, as soon as the pandemic was over, um, well, is it still over? I don't know. You know, it depends on which news media outlet uh, you dude, ask. Dude, monkeypox. <laughs> monkeypox pandemic. If you're not afraid, you're not paying attention. As soon as the first pandemic was over, there was, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was on Twitter or something, and uh, the mask mandate's lifted, everybody's free, you know. And then there's a, a news story, you know, no, new drought in California, be, be very afraid, you're going to be out of water in six months, you know. Like, and, and, and you see this story that just, they're just like, what's the next story that's going to scare you, you know. And so there's an interesting thing, like we'll get emails from people who consume their news through the Babylon Bee. So they get real news through fake news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, re, you which know, it turns out is more reliable than <laughs> real news. I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys be the judges of that, I guess. But, um, but when you read a Babylon Bee headline, you know you're doing the doom scrolling thing, where you're like freaking out about every story that's on your Facebook feed, and then all of a sudden you come across a Babylon Bee headline, and there's a moment of, wait a minute, is that real? And then you go back, and oh, it's a joke. You know, and I think there's a there's a way of joking about things that can disarm the fear that we feel. Yeah. The fear that our leaders want us to feel. The fear the fear that politicians want us to feel. Um, and so I, I I think that comedy has this real disarming power, and that's what makes it scare the people who are in power. That's what makes it scare people on the left. That's what makes it scare people in government. That's why they want to fact check us. Um, because all of a sudden we have this power to say that narrative that gives you so much power is disarmed it doesn't have any power over us because we don't fear fact checking a joke seems almost <laughs> like a joke <laughs> well, it makes and they it do that they, they were doing that all the time i mean there's they've started kicking you off things now they yeah well and that's it's all part of the end game you know because if they can fact check you enough times now they can claim that you are disinformation misinformation or whatever the, the different labels are um and once they can do that then they can just kick you off and say well they were sharing fake news yeah, you know, um, yeah. The very first one we ever got dinged for, we, we had been fact-checked a few times, but the first one that Facebook ever dinged us for on social media was, uh, we said CNN purchased a giant washing machine to spin the news. 
and we got a notice from Facebook and we shared <laughs> fake news <laughs> and that we were facing full-on deplatforming and demonetization for that joke, which is kind of a stupid joke, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I acknowledge it's a, it's a boomer joke, you know, but but it was it was enough to where it was like, really? This is... So now that joke is even funnier because if you search right. Babylon B, CNN, the first result isn't Babylon B. It's Snopes saying, fact check. <laughs> Did CNN actually purchase a giant washing machine to spin the news in? Fact check, false. You know, so, um, yeah, the, there's absurdity on its face, you know, and they, they really do shoot themselves in the foot because we, we rally so much support from that stuff where people are like, this is ridiculous. Even people on the left will come up to us and go, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah, but but the fear thing, and it, that we've been sort of obsessed with uh, the humanitarian damage caused by lockdowns and and all the things the government has done to us in the last three years. And and by the way, that infrastructure is just itching for the next pandemic. Um, today, the District of Columbia, where I tragically uh, reside, is already unrolling some big monkeypox <laughs> industrial complex and. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, please, please stop, leave, leave me alone. But they won't because fear was the Achilles heel. They, they managed to scare enough people into um, tolerating and even applauding incredible encroachments on liberty that I, I never, ever would have imagined that Americans would have put up with that. But uh, get us afraid enough and anything goes. Yeah, well, I just saw, you know, I'm I'm not in L.A., but I'm in Southern California, and L.A. just announced rolling back mask mandates, you know, putting them back in place. You're just like, what kind of world do you live in, you know, where yeah. this is where this is acceptable? Um, but it really is what government thrives on. It's yeah. that it's that fear and that threat of force. Well, it's become I, I did a panel here and I um, I can I won't academic geek out on this, but. But Frederick Hayek, we always quote Hayek on the show, he, he wrote a critique of this proto-socialist French guy named Henry Saint-Simon, who basically turned science into a religion where he was building temples to Sir, Sir Isaac Newton. And the whole idea was, let's, let's put the scientists, because they're the smartest, and they're, they're going to know better for what, what, is, what is good for us. Let's put them in charge and give them all the power. And it's, it's, it's precisely where we're at right now. Um, there are Fauci prayer candles you can buy on Amazon. <laughs> he was, he was uh, deemed the sexiest man alive by The Guardian, speaking of, of funny things, I guess. <laughs> funny or absurd. So it, it's become like a civic religion where it, if you question the faith, you're, you're banished and, and perhaps God knows what. Thank you for joining me today on Kibbe on Liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience. Every week, my organization, Free the People, partners with Blaze TV to bring you this show. My guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates. If you like what you hear, go to freethepeople.org KOL and support Kibbe on Liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now, let's get back to it. Well, it's funny, you know, being Christians, like people made fun of us for being the like, you know, crazy, zealous, you know, oh, you guys are the crazy people on the street corner with the sign saying the end is near. And we've kind of mellowed out from, you know, our, our Christian culture has kind of mellowed out from some of that stuff. You know, we still have our strong beliefs, but, you know, we're not necessarily the guys out there on the street corner with the big signs and uh, saying whatever. But 
now the left are the ones, or at least, you know, people that are very pro-government are the ones who have this, here's the next big threat, climate change, you know, and in order to fight climate change, we have to do this, this, and this. You have wokeness, you know, which is a set of beliefs about intersectionality that is like their religion, and they're, they, have a, they have a path to salvation, they have a, a sin nature problem, they have, a, they have end times predictions, they have, you know, moral standards that you have to live up to, and if you don't follow them, you're going to get canceled, you know, so yeah. they have the analog for everything they thought we were, and except, they've become Except that. redemption, by the way. Except, rede- well, they have a path to redemption, but you can never achieve it, you yeah. know, it's, you keep beating yourself on the back, I, I'll do better, I, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll apologize, but as soon as you apologize, you get canceled even more for your apology, you know, yeah. so there never is, you never get to that moment of redemption. So let's, um, I don't actually know the origin stories of, of Babylon B, and and you've been there since the beginning. Yeah, since day one. Yeah. 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 So, I, so I didn't actually found Babylon B myself. I was uh, I, w- I was a write-in uh, candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I emailed in a headline, and no one else, it. no one else wanted the job. <laughs> no one else wanted it. Uh, I I emailed in a headline on day one, and it got published on day two, and then uh, and from there I became the head writer, and then I took over as the editor in chief a couple years later. Um, but the guy who founded it, Adam Ford, he, he was doing a Christian webcomic and he saw kind of the winds of culture shifting and he saw that on the right we kind of needed something that was powerfully speaking the truth to culture through comedy. So he, he had read a, an Onion headline, and I forget which one it was, but he had read an Onion headline that was just brutally savaging conservatives. And he laughed at it and he was like, man... I wish I agreed with these guys yeah. because this is funny, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And he saw the power of he was disarmed to the point where, like, if he had come across a New York Times article making the same point, he would have just rolled his eyes. Stupid yeah. New York Times. But because it was comedians, because it was people that were making a point through humor, he was disarmed. His, his guard was down, and he was able to like see the point they were making. And he's like, "Man, I really wish I really wish I agreed with them because it's so funny." Um, and so he wanted to find something that was. He wanted to found something that was. Uh, you know, didn't hate us. Like, I don't think the goal of the Babylon Bee was always like, we're going to make points from a conservative perspective or a, a, you know, a Christian perspective. But it was certainly like, let's write comedy that doesn't hate us, you know, (laughs) which just doesn't sound like that crazy of a goal. But in this day of of woke, you know, left-owned comedy, it was definitely a a, a weird thing. Yeah, I I struggled early on to get all of the... um church bass player jokes right um do you guys still do those we still do those yeah yeah yeah. and if you go to church yeah i can make some recommendations and then you'll get the jokes no i i I intellectually get the jokes but um, i'm I'm, I'm not in that community so but and there's drummer jokes and it's i I get it yeah (laughs) um but that's part of the um that that there's actually a community that's that's kind of willing to to make fun of itself i mean that's that was the start. I mean, yeah. it was, if you can't make fun of yourself, you don't have a sense of humor. If you can't make fun of yourself, you're not going to be funny when you're making fun of the other guy. Yeah. You know, so obviously a lot of our jokes target the other guy or target the left to target the outside. But, you know, you look at, you look at a lot of the late night hosts who take that to the extreme and don't, they make fun of the other guy every single joke. And now they're, they're just smug lecturers. They're not yeah. funny anymore. Yeah. Um, you look at Saturday Night Live. They have they have a, a, a good one once in a while, but a lot of it is just the smug, smarmy lecturing. Um, and so very early on, we knew we had to uh, we had to make fun of ourselves. And it, it's it's much better than the comedy from the outside that makes fun of Christians. Because mm-hmm. as Christians, we we watch like Hollywood movies that are making fun of the church, and you're like, 
the people who wrote this have never been to a church in their lives. I right. can tell because right. they're using the wrong word for this and they're using the wrong, <laughs> that's not how things are. You know, so comedy from the inside is always funnier. And the, my comedic influences are like the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, This is Spinal Tap, A Mighty Wind, uh, Waiting for Guffman. All, all those are the ones that they're written from within that culture. And you can tell they love that culture, whether it's heavy metal or folk or or the different you know the, uh, local community theater, the different yeah. cultures they make fun of. But they're not mean. They're not mean spirited. They don't say this is so stupid. You know. Yeah, yeah. They make fun of it, but it's from within. Yeah, because this is so stupid is not funny. Yeah, it's dumb. Right. Um, do you were you a comedian? Like, did you dabble, or did this just happen? It was a little bit of a lightning bolt that I. I my my family would say I was always funny growing up. I was the the family joker that was you know always cracking jokes or whatever. Um, I think I did win the class clown award in high school, but I I was never I was never the class clown who was you know uh, throwing a pie at people or you know <laughs> or wearing the clown nose and that goofing around like I, it was never over the top um, humor like that you know yeah. spit wad on the teacher's back or whatever it, it was more just the dry witty zinger or comeback was kind of my style of comedy that I resonated with I watched Monty Python on the Holy Grail when I was in sixth grade and it was I was kind of a sheltered Christian kid not super sheltered not fundamentalist or anything but certainly like I wasn't exposed to a lot of outside comedic influences and I saw Monty Python and it was like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. We watched the opening credits to Monty Python and we were laughing so hard we were crying. You know, we had to rewind the VHS 10 times to to keep to try to get through it, you know. Yeah. And so I think that dry absurdist comedy for the sake of comedy type philosophy really resonated with me uh, early on. I have no idea what so John Cleese is here mm-hmm. at Freedom Fest, and I'm sure you're going to fanboy and and sort of stalk him outside of the green yes. room, um, and that's cool. But um, I'm assuming he's not a Christian conservative libertarian so. yeah. constitutionalist. <laughs> I think he's a comedian that hates um, the intolerance of of woke culture that won't let him do his craft. I assume that's what he's going to say. I don't know. Well, I'll let you know. I'm interviewing him in four hours. So nice. Okay. I'll, I'll let you know what he says. But uh, but so, that, you, so you don't have to stalk him. He's. I, I, he's I don't have to you, stalk yeah. him. But uh, uh, no, I agree. But that that is the cultural shift that we're uh, that we're seeing. Is you have you have even people on the left. That's Ricky Gervais and uh, and Dave Chappelle and uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher came to our defense on his show. Yeah. That's crazy. You know this, this guy that. I grew up hating Bill Maher because I, you know, I'd see him on there, and I, I was a, a, a right winger, you know, pro George Bush, W. Bush, you know, that that was my my upbringing, and and uh, you know, you see Bill Maher slamming George Bush for the Iraq War or whatever, you're like, oh, that guy's an idiot, and, you know, liberal, whatever, and uh, uh, to see a guy like that who hasn't really changed his beliefs, he stayed the same. The left has has gone into loony land, and he's just standing there like, "What are you guys doing?" You know. Yeah. So to see a guy like him defend this little Christian satire side is is, is such an insane thing to us. It's kind of interesting because I my general theory is the same: is that the left has just gone oh, way over the end. So guys like Dave Chappelle and Bill Mars are standing, and Elon Musk actually tweeted a joke about this. Yeah, I'm, him too. Him too. I'm still standing where I was. Um, but I'm not sure that's exactly true because I, I used to go on Bill Maher when I was the Tea Party guy, and and Bill had one joke that we were all racist, <laughs> um, and I think he's sort of starting to question some of that cheap shot stuff because he he sees it weaponized. But I maybe I'm just 
being hopeful. Well, and it's but, it's bad humor too. Yeah. I mean, that whole shtick of you know all oh, the rights, right? You know, you'll see an onion joke once in a while, or all the jokes in the late night that are just like, oh, Tucker Carlson hates this because he's racist. You yeah. know, and you're like, well, that's just so it's so one dimensional, and you haven't, you know, it, it doesn't understand the topic that it's addressing. And whenever a joke comes off like that, that you're just beating on the stereotype that everybody else is beating on, it just doesn't come off as fun. Yeah. Because humor has to have a sense of surprise and a unique angle and an innovation to it that it's just boring now. Yeah, I sort of wonder, um, I, as a lot of people do, I'm, I'm following Elon Musk and, and the whole Twitter um, journey that he's on, and I have no idea where he's going with that. But um, I have this idea that there's kind of, and calling it anti-woke is not right because it's just turned off by wokeness and they don't want to be against that. They just want to be normal. I think there's a there's a emerging um, coalition of people that do like funny jokes and do like actually having conversations with people that are different than they are and would love to go to a football game without, without having to, to wear a gay pride sticker on their jersey or whatever they're doing <laughs> and in the NFL right now it's like can't can't we all just get along and and I wonder if um, there's sort of the either the tip of the spear or the canaries in the coal mine whatever the metaphor is um, where, where Dave Chappelle and Bill Morris sound like the reasonable guys and 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 John Cleese maybe maybe there is a reformation against this intolerant authoritarian religion whatever that thing is which would shake us up as well because you know we have our own tribes as well and we 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 misunderstand people outside of those tribes just like the other side does well we definitely see that kind of change emerging right now you know and i don't know what the tipping point was but it does feel like there was a tipping point in the last six months to a year where people just said you know what enough i'm not like i i don't hate you i can tolerate you and your your different lifestyle your different beliefs but it doesn't mean that i have to like sit here and shout and support you all the time you know like let's let's be friends uh even though we disagree but i don't have to like you know just because i don't shout and support you i, I and personally i think you know, social media is one of the main drivers of this kind of division because people were locked in their homes for two years all they had was social media you know how easy it is to misread a text or misread a social media post and sure. think someone is yeah. and it defines people by their political beliefs you know, I mean, if I saw you, at, if I didn't know you, I saw you at a brewery, we might share a beer and talk and not ever bring up politics. Right. And we might not know of any of the political differences between us, you know. Um, and, and same thing with someone on the far left that I met at a bar. I'm sure I've met a bunch of people at breweries that, that if they knew I was a Babylon Bee guy would hate me. Right. Right. <laughs> but that doesn't come up because we're just hanging out, yeah. you know. And I find that when, you know, there's an interesting phenomenon that there's a lot of haters on social media for the Babylon Bee. But when I get out there in real life and I talk to liberals who don't you know maybe they don't like the Babylon B or whatever but they're just like oh you know it's funny I'm glad you're doing what you're doing there's a there's a politeness in person where you're where you're like yeah I'm not really that offended by it it's not that big of a deal so I think and it, you know it is one of the goals of the tech companies they want to divide us you yeah. know there's just a tool of the government to continue to divide all of us yeah it, it works on social media and it works in politics and and you know these these things are not representative of the public it's not real life what, what is the stats on twitter it's you know what 10 percent of people are on it and 0.1 percent use it <laughs> there's some, that's exaggerated but there's a very small yeah. percentage of people that actually post 90 percent of the tweets and they're extremists 
You know, I, I guess we'll find out in Discovery just how many bots. <laughs> we'll find out how many, and they're all bots. Yeah, a hundred percent of them yeah. are bots. <laughs> so you guys, um, you guys were on this like meteoric uh, trajectory where you became sort of this breath of fresh air, and I, I started following you guys almost from day one um, because it was funny again. Um, and when did you start running into trouble with our tech overlords that that? didn't like what you were accomplishing. Yeah, so we, we had always been fact-checked, but it was always a little bit more good-natured because we had a, we had some, we had a joke early on that one a big megachurch out in North Carolina had installed a water slide baptismal, and that got fact-checked, you know, and there was like the big spiral slide, this isn't real, and the church had to issue a, uh, a statement on their Facebook, don't come for the water slide, it's not real. Uh, <laughs> but it was always a little, you know, you kind of understand why a fact-check like that happens because little old ladies are on Facebook and they're calling the church and complaining, you know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but Or people are showing up saying, where's the slide? Where's the, that was happening, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was that CNN washing machine story I mentioned earlier that was the first time we, we got a taste of this kind of hostile uh, uh, fact-check where it was Babylon B is... Um, Dangerously muddying the and waters. When, when was that? That was uh, that was 2018, spring okay. of 2018. Um, and after that, it just kind of got worse and worse. Every joke we published, there was some big fact check. And there's this like cabal of fact checking where if Snopes fact checks you, Facebook flags your page for misinformation, and then you know CNN does a report on it, and then that report ends up on Wikipedia. And so now Wikipedia says that you're a far-right misinformation site, and then we, and then New York Times quotes that in an article. So it's just this big circle of everybody coming after you. Um, but there's just been some extremely absurd ones, um, you know, getting accused of hateful conduct, getting accused of calling for violence, you know. Um, some of them have been algorithm-driven, where a bot just didn't understand our joke. Um, some of them have been a manual fact-check, where somebody said, no, this is hateful, and, and tried to take something down. So... Um, it, it's never really let up, you know, and, uh, and and most recently we've been banned from several social media platforms because of it. If you've made it this far into the show, it means I must be doing something right. Kibbe on Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people. We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty Curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things Liberty, independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. Yeah, you, are you you're off Twitter or you're just frozen on Twitter? We're permanently banned from Twitter until we acknowledge that we're hateful bigots and then they'll let us back on. <laughs> uh, so you're in Jordan Peterson's. Yeah, Peterson little, uh, Peterson copied box. us. He copied our uh, Yeah, you our, you were you were bad long yeah, before. We were bad before him, yeah. before him, but uh and then TikTok kicked us off, but that's good cuz we don't have to be on TikTok anymore. Yeah, so. you don't have to be and twerking um, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make me twerk for. So what is, um and and obviously that um, those platforms, uh, maybe not TikTok, but I, I think Twitter was probably pretty important to you guys as you were building your brand. Well, it's great to be in the political conversation. Like, you know, we're in touch with Elon Musk, and that's only because he was replying to our t our Twitter. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, you, you don't have many other platforms where celebrities are interacting with you, um, where senators are sharing your jokes or. Celebrities are retweeting you. You know that that that's kind of the value of Twitter to me is that you you do get some big connections that you wouldn't otherwise get. 
you know, there's capabilities of that on other platforms, but it's just not used in the same way. People yeah. aren't on Facebook commenting as their so <laughs> as yeah. their big yeah. name blue check profile. So we lose that. We lose the traffic, um, and then you're just kind of out of the conversation. A big news story happens, and it used to be like we'd immediately get the writers together. How how are we tackling this? We had we would have an article up in 20 minutes. And boom, you know, you, you if, if you can be the first one there, you just get a ton of retweets yeah. and yeah. views and traffic. And we don't have that anymore. We're not part of that conversation anymore on on, uh, on Twitter. So it is kind of a big sacrifice, a big cost that we're paying. Yeah, I see a lot of peop, uh, peop, your fans screenshotting things and, mm-hmm. and sharing them on Twitter, but that that doesn't really help you as a business. Yeah, and you can still share BabylonBee.com links, but I mean, we had a, a million and a half followers, you know, so it was a significant driver of both traffic and being part of the conversation. Yeah. So, so what is the the alternative business model like? How do you guys uh, generate revenue? Yeah, so luckily we had the foresight. Our CEO Seth Dillon had the foresight to create a um, paying subscriber, almost a Patreon type model, where people just kind of kick in five bucks a month or whatever it is to help support us. And we did that long before we were really that suppressed or de- you know a, a, a deleted off these different social media accounts. So we had already kind of built up this base of people that were just like, yeah, I'll help you guys grow. Because even when we weren't getting censored and banned, you don't make a ton of money just writing articles on the internet. Like, right, yeah. That model is dead of writing an article, putting on Facebook, and hoping to get some traffic from it. You know, that, that model just doesn't work anymore. Um, so having a paying subscriber base was a great way for us to be able to expand, hire some people, um, you know, expand into some video content. But... The upside of that, too, the upshot of it was that when we did start to get banned, not only did we were able to survive and keep the lights on, but we would drive more subscriptions because <laughs> because people see how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And they'll just they'll just subscribe. Um, so that's how really how we've been able to drive a lot more revenue than before when we were just doing trying to get traffic off off Facebook. You know, what's 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 so creepy. And I just had the uh, the give send go guys on. Mm hmm. Um, who are an alternative to, um, as they say, uh, go F me, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty <laughs> Aren't funny. Aren't they Christians? Are they allowed to yeah. say that? I, I guess if you say F, I think it's okay. <laughs> um, and the F is for fun. So, mm. um, But the, the deplatforming, it's not, you know, they, they, they're starting by kicking you off of Twitter. But as we saw with... Uh, Amazon pulled the the server plug on Not Parler. Parler, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know to the point where people are getting debanked. So there's you have to have layers and layers of. It's not. See, that's the thing. It's not. That's a good point because it's not. Um, it's not foolproof. It's yeah. it's one way. Yes, if we get off Twitter and Facebook, maybe we'll still be able to limp along with just paying subscriber support. But ultimately. I mean, all payments in in the world go through a few banks. Yeah, one of those cuts you off, you're doomed. Yeah. Um, so we always joke that we're going to have to go door to door passing out hard copies of that one. That's the only way we're going to be able to get the word out soon. A return, a return to to, to roots. Well, well, you know, another way we've been able to survive is our our email list, our newsletter list has been a great way to reach people directly. But we've been suspended by Mailchimp before, yeah. and we had to appeal. We did manage to get back on, luckily. Um, but that's another area, you know. We I think we sent out a pro Second Amendment email or something, and they and they flagged it. Yeah, um, which is crazy. <laughs> it's so it's so creepy. And and by the way, you're describing this this very well oiled machine yeah. of when these guys flag you, then yep. these guys kick into action. Um, the new twist, which probably isn't new, but it's it's now been said out loud. 
Um, the Biden administration says the quiet part out loud when they're like, oh, by the way, we're we're telling Facebook right. uh, about content that, that offends us. So you now have the government, the power, most powerful guys in government dictating to tech companies. And I, maybe it's symbiotic. I don't know. Um, maybe when the president's people call you, it's a, it's an offer you can't refuse or or maybe they want to do it anyway because they're woke. I don't know what it is, but there's some kind of political capture where um, these are fundamental First Amendment violations. Well, the cat was out of the bag when they censored that New York Post story about Hunter Biden yeah. a couple of weeks before the election. And you, you start to think about it. They're the ones who are always throwing up stuff about election elections are safe and secure, you know, and then accusing uh, Russians of meddling in the 2016 election. The real election meddling was happening in the big tech companies, yeah. um, whether you think that changed the outcome or not. Um, I'm not talking about hacking machines or anything. I'm talking about the amount of influence they had, that there was a negative story about one candidate and they banned a, a news organization that's been around for decades, you yeah. know, I don't, 100 years, I don't know how long the New York Post has been around, but uh, for a story that turned out to be true. That, that's when they really let the cat out of the bag about what they're doing. And you're right. I mean, just more recently, uh, was it Nina Jankowitz? I forget which one of them said that, that we need to be able to get in and edit someone's post and add yeah. disclaimers. Like, what? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it, well, it, goes into the, it goes into the argument about, you know, free speech. And you have a lot of some conservatives saying, well, they're just a, they're a private company. You know, they can do what they want. And you're like, well, they are a private company up until... The point that they're doing the bidding of the government, and right. then they're just another yeah. arm of a branch of the government, really. Yeah, they're either um, they're either politically captured or their their cohorts um, with that that tremendous amount of power. Like I, I, th- I think I've said this a thousand times, but it's a, such a lazy argument that libertarians make that when we say, "Oh, it's a private company; they can do what they want," because it's not really. I mean, you're you're talking about um, you know when Mark Zuckerberg went before Congress a couple years ago. He was quite explicit. I want you to help me censor our content, and I have an army of lawyers and lobbyists who would love to write that legislation for you. And you know what he's really saying is, let's let's create such a complex structure that my competitor, we don't know who that is yet, but that person never gets to market because the, the regulatory barriers are just too high. Yeah, same old story, crony yeah. capitalism. Yeah. So it's, I mean, these are, these are, these are crony capitalists and and I, I tend to think that they're they're probably more captured than like rabid ideologues but oh yeah who, who knows I mean it's hard to tell chicken and egg kind of thing but um, this, this is sort of getting depressing this should be a fun conversation <laughs> should we're we tell having. some jokes I don't know yeah. what <laughs> um, well do you, do you what do you think is going to happen so like you know we're talking about all these guys who probably come from the left like John Cleese and Bill Maher pushing back against this. Um, I, I'm always sort of a long-term optimist because I, I think people with a modicum of freedom figure stuff out. And I, I think there is sort of a, a revolution percolating up where people just find that the speech policing in particular just um, more than ridiculous. Like now, now they're offended by the fact that they can't laugh and they're 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 afraid to go to a comedy show because like if I laugh is someone gonna um, cancel me? Right. Is do you see that or do you think we're spiraling down? At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle, twenty four seven, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today. 
just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love liberty and look cool. I see a little bit of both, and I see, you know, there's a there's a, there's an, a pessimist in me. There's an op, you know, I see the beer half full and the beer half empty, you know. <laughs> and unfortunately, this is just water and not beer. But um, if I had known, yeah, well, you know, uh, next time. But uh, you know, you 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 see the dark storm clouds on the horizon. You see how bad things have gotten, and you wonder, can this get any worse? And you look to a lot of countries in the past, you look at Soviet Russia, and you go, yes, it could get worse. This yeah. can be much worse. Yeah. So are we going to go that way or not? The The encouraging thing is that you see the current, especially encouraging that you see the current generation. You see a lot of the young people that are just, you know what, we don't care about this. We don't care about cancel culture or whatever. We're going to laugh. Um, and as long as we hold the comedy, you know, we do hold the power. Um, Gen Z, for all their faults, you know, their fashion problems and the fact that they dance on TikTok and stuff, they, um, if you go if you go on TikTok and you spend any time there, there's so many politically incorrect jokes that people are telling on there. And if you go flip through comments, there's not much pushback. There's not much, hey, this is problematic. You don't, you can't tell this joke. Yes, there's a crazy far left, you know, radical gender TikTok teachers of TikTok type area. But there's also there's also some hope there. You look at people that are making fun of themselves. You look at people that are telling jokes about themselves, like their own race, you know, and making fun of themselves for being white or being, you know, Asian or whatever the different, you know, things are. And, and you see an encouragement you, and you think back to like when comedy was okay. And you can see a reflection there. And so yeah. my hope and my prayer is that that continues to push, like that that side continues to win out. Um, the, uh, that side will win out, I agree with you, long-term optimist. I just don't know if that's going to be in the next 10 years or the next 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> but it will win out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to wait 100 years. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you, you have, I might have 100 years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah well, for you for sure, yeah. <laughs> so um, if people want to subscribe, to Babylon B, if they want to help you guys out, what and how, how would they help? Yeah, so BabylonB.com, you know, I, and I just say this in general, just support the content creators that you like, whether it's Babylon B or something else. Like that is how you're gonna you're gonna change the world, you know, um, not by mindlessly flipping on Facebook and hoping that Mark Zuckerberg shows you through his algorithm the content that you want. You know, go to Blaze, go to go to whatever the, the site that you like is. Um, if it's BabylonB.com, awesome. Um, and if you go to BabylonB.com, you can sign up for our newsletter, and that's our most direct way to reach people. Also, BabylonB.com slash plans. That's where we let people sign up and subscribe and support us. We, we actually built a fully functioning, like, social network on the back of our, on the back end of our website. So a lot of our community, we have a, a big community that's, interacting in like a non-woke social network so that's that's all. some people have completely pulled the plug from facebook and joined our uh, our little social platform so that's been awesome that's cool and i'm um where can we see the i'm sort of jealous about the john cleese thing because he, <laughs> he did not return my call ah tragic um yeah. wh- where will people get to see this conversation um that'll be on our youtube channel youtube.com slash the babylon still on youtube huh St- we didn't clinging we uh youtube has been one of the few that has like almost never dinged us for anything they'll demonetize we do we do any joke about guns it gets demonetized but it doesn't get uh, it doesn't get suppressed. We don't get strikes. I guess so it's, far. it's different style of content, I suppose. Because it's satirical, I don't think the algorithm knows what to do with it. Because we'll do a jo- we'll do a, a video. Here's how dangerous guns are. Yeah. So it probably promotes it. 
but we're being sarcastic. <laughs> so we have a little shield. Okay, there's a there. hack for us. There's a hack. Okay. <laughs> just well, be we'll, sarcastic. Well, hopefully I don't get a strike just for talking to you, so we'll see well, how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.